1: You already know the fun of Kings Island. Blue ice cream for lunch, catching your breath between screams on the beast. But this summer at Kings Island, this is 50. Don't miss the 50th anniversary celebration all summer long with new shows, new food, and new fun. It's Kings Island's biggest summer yet. And now through August 14th, Kings Island is turning up the excitement with a daily 50 Years of Fun street party. It features dancers, music, and more commemorating the last 50 years. Make plans today at visitkingsisland.com.
2: Welcome to the Cinema Gold Show. I'm your host, Larry Lees. Today we're diving into the top seven box office disasters. First, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Poddex, for sponsoring this episode. Poddex are unique in questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. Whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience or get more engagement, you're going to want to check out poddex.com and use promo code LARRY21. off your first order check them out today at poddex.com don't forget to use that code larry21 for 10% off your order so now let's dive right into the top seven box office disasters media will tell you that the communal and cultural experience of going to see a movie in a theater is on its way out the budgets of the biggest films are going up and up over the course of 2019 American box office revenue was down 5%. While 2018 had been up 1%, 2017 was a 25-year low. This trend towards stagnation means an ever-increasing likelihood that movies will crash and burn at the box office. Let's have a look through the record, shall we? Number seven, coming at no surprise, is Cats. This adaptation of Andrew Lloyd Webber's 1981 stage production and a rocky introduction to the public. That is to say that the audience didn't so much find Oscar-winning director Tom Hooper's whimsical visions of people imitating stray cats charming so much as they found it uncomfortably uncanny from the premiere of its trailer on July 18, 2019. Of course, even if an ideal balance between cat and human anatomy had been found for the characters, such as using animation, as Spielberg wanted to do in the 90s, The movie wouldn't necessarily have had good prospects. Even back when the original premiered, the New York Times bashed cats for not having an idea in its head and that it only vaguely attempted a story. Audiences tend to like some plot, even the most idea-free stories, which made the decision to throw 96 million into this production, all more puzzling. With seemingly everything stacked against it and toxic test audience reception, even 115 million in advertising couldn't save it. It opened the 6.6 million in the US on December 20th, 2019. And its overseas numbers were so bad that a loss of 71 million was assured. Universal read the room and withdrew the disaster from Oscar contention. Still as unsuccessful as a family musical, Cats will probably live for decades as a cult horror spectacle. And number six sadly is so low no one was expecting a Star Wars movie to lose money since 1977 every Star Wars movie had been highly lucrative no matter how much it had been attacked by both fans and critics even the 28 or 20, 2008 excuse me animated film the Clone Wars much cheaper than even the original, after 31 years of inflation, and more critically condemned in the punching bag of a movie, The Phantom Menace, made more than eight times its budget. So what made this movie, based on the origin of one of the most popular characters in the franchise, lose Disney money? Even at a time when Disney Star Wars films, before and since, made more than a billion? A big part of the problem was a troubled production. The original writer-director team of Phil Lord and Chris Miller were fired partway through production, and replaced with Ron Howard meaning that a huge percentage of the movie was very expensively reshot it was such a hectic situation that rumors started regarding Alden and are supposedly needing an acting coach although he was adamant to vanity Fair that the truth was the directors had brought a friend on the production who consulted for the entire cast solo also came out only five months after the critically acclaimed but audience dividing Star Wars the last Jedi which left very little time for him, Anticipation for the new movie to build up.
3: Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online.
1: I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true.
3: Chumba Casino was America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes.
2: And at number five, A Wrinkle in Time. The 1962 Newbery Award winning novel about the Wallace children traveling through space to save their physicist father from a giant brain has a troubled relationship with the Walt Disney Company. In 1975, Disney attempted to adapt it and abandoned the project. Even worse was in 2003 because there they exceeded in mainly embarrassingly cheesy and rushed TV movie out of the book which the author ended up bashing in an interview. Finally, in 2018, the story got to inflict its final damage on Disney when its March release failed spectacularly, despite performances by such stars as Oprah Winfrey. Why the failure? Potentially part of the problem is that the story is just not the kind that's suitable for motion picture adaptation, since it doesn't fit neatly into a three-act structure. Also, considering the story is the kind where a tesseract, the bending of space time as a means of conveyance, similar to the method used in Frank Herbert's Dune, is explained at length. It's not really the kind of film with room for pulse pounding action or whimsy. Although critics like Vulture magazine went after it for being childish anyway. And at number four, Monster Trucks. Yeah, I remember when this movie came out. I really wanted to see it. Sadly, didn't live up to expectations. First thing audiences heard about the movie about monsters hidden under truck hoods that function as engines was that even before it was released, Paramount's financials revealed that they expected to lose one hundred and fifteen million dollars on it. Second thing that they heard was that the story for the movie had been literally inspired by Paramount President Adam Goodman's four-year-old son. Not the most encouraging of news. Adding to this movie, problem was the fact that the main monster, Creech, was initially so terrifyingly designed that it made children and test audiences scream, rendering it into a more cute, ugly cute design cost tens of millions of dollars. That helped explain why this movie, which sounds like a combination of a kid's cartoon from Nickelodeon in the 90s and E.T., had its budget climbed to $125 million. No wonder the studio ended up pushing its release back around two years. And all that together, and it's not surprising that it turned out losing $115 million. It's actually a highly optimistic projection of how bad this project was for Paramount, as it was about ten million short of the real figure. Number three, King Arthur's Legend of the Sword. Sadly disappointing as well. Guy Ritchie is probably still best known as UK's answer to Quentin Tarantino in terms of highly stylized gangster movies, so he might seem like an odd fit for a medieval fantasy story. I personally don't believe he was, honestly. Of course, too many he had seen, he had seemed like an awkward fit for the Sherlock Holmes films, and those mean big. Plus, in the Warner Brothers movie, Arthur starts out as a street tough who has to fight his way to the throne, playing more to Ritchie's style. The fact that the actor playing Arthur was Charlie Hunnam, who to this day is best known for playing Jax on the TV show Sunday of Anarchy, was not too encouraging, but it hardly ensured doom. Critics were consistent that what they what did the movie in was editing choices. For example, characters are introduced complete with backstories long after they have already been part of the action. Monsters are added at the end with no setup, let alone explanation. The fights are often too choppy to follow the action properly and get excited by it. Still, at least Guy Ritchie's abilities served him well enough for 2019's Aladdin remake to be a smash hit. So he seemed to take the editing lessons of this film to heart. Number 2. Mortal Engines This wasn't that bad of a movie, honestly, but it did lose a lot of money. This was not a cash grab or a trend chase. Producer Peter Jackson wanted to adapt the young adult novels of Philip Reeve, featuring cities on gigantic tank head treads, to the big screen since at least 2011. But he put that project on hold for five years to make the Hobbit trilogy for Warner Brothers. By 2015, he was still so burned out that he handed the job of directing the adaptation to Christian Rivers, a second unit director for the Middle Earth films. Mortal Engine books were more niche than they were mainstream hits, and yet even their fan base had to put up with a change in aesthetics of the book, from steampunk to modern, and for the protagonists to be aged up. Universal also had the issue that the leads were not major stars, with the highest-profile performer being Hugo Weaving, filling in in the villain role. Unfortunately for Universal, this movie came at a time when the post-apocalyptic young adult film genre was out of fashion. Critics bashed the film for being overly derivative, and audiences couldn't work up substantially more enthusiasm either. At least Peter Jackson had the consolation of his simultaneously released film, They Shanakra Old, becoming a critical darling, despite being composed largely of World War I archival footage, grossing more in the U.S. than his mega budget passion project. And number one is John Carter. Before we get into this one, once again, I'd like to thank Poddex for sponsoring this episode. As as I've said before, check out poddex.com. Today, save 10% off your first purchase with the promo code Larry21. But yeah, let's dive into number one, John Carter. There have been attempts to adapt Edgar Rice Burroughs' landmark sci-fi story, Princess of Mars, to the big screen since 1938. John Carpenter had been developing a John Carter, of Mars movie, for years. Finding Nemo director Andrew Stanton chose the project bringing 30 years of love for the source material and enough Pixar clout that his demands of non-executive interference were met. Warning signs began flashing when the studio requested footage for the first teaser trailer. Stanton had not scheduled his shoot for the epic shots to be completed first. A mistake attributed to Stanton's inexperience with live action. It left mostly footage that played up the movie's romance, thus lessening the impact for many viewers' first impression of the movie. In interviews, Stanton admitted he had widely overestimated just how prominent John Carter was in the public imagination. While the story was extremely influential, it had been imitated so much in the decades since its publication that John Carter himself felt like a knockoff. So even as the production scrambled to cobble together footage to sell the movie scale, it backfired so badly that a Super Bowl had actually lessened interest in the movie among test audiences. If nothing else, John Carter and many of their movies on this list are painful lessons. And sometimes the project is long in development hell. Everyone should just learn to let it go. And that is all we have for this episode of the Cinema Gold Show. Let us know uh, what movies should have been on our list. What do you believe are any of these ones you'd really consider like big losses? Or you just consider them... poor film it's worth watching but not exactly the greatest successes let us know on twitter or you can find us on cinema gold at the cinema gold show you can find us on instagram at the cinema gold show thanks for watching and we'll see you next time